Hi, welcome back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today is Sunday, and so we get to do our weekly review of all things important, proper, and improper in the grand world and scheme of things. Joining me, as usual, is uh, CQ Roll Call uh, Editor-at-Large and uh, columnist Bon Vivant, John Bennett, and former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and host of his own podcast, if you want to know about books. Michael, there it is. I, I just teed it up for you. The name of it is? That Said with Michael Zeldin. There you go. And and Michael, who's your next guest? Uh, tomorrow, I in, uh, Tuesday, interview Carl Bernstein uh, about his Chasing uh, History book. And then uh, that'll be released the, the, the following week. And then after that, a very interesting book called Lethal Tides about a woman named Mary Sears, who was sort of a, a hidden figures. She was an oceanographer who helped the Navy and the Marines figure out how to land safely in the Pacific Islands during World War II wow. to save the Marines from um, catastrophes like Okinawa and Tamarillo. Cool. So stick yeah. around. That's just, once again, with Michael Zeldin. That said, with Michael Zeldin, stick around. We'll have much more. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with uh, our usual usual gang with us, uh, John Bennett, Michael Zeldin, talking about the, the Week in Review. And, uh, you know, I had, to, I, had, I had such a great rundown. I had a little, you know, I brought you little bullet points and email, and then we have to kill all of it because our, our wonderful uh, former president called for the suspension yesterday of the Constitution. And as Michael pointed out before we started today, is the question, you know, are we are we playing into Donald Trump once again? Are we allowing him attention that we otherwise should not <clears throat> by spending time reporting about an idiot wanting to <laughs> suspend the Constitution? And John, how, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we we have to cover it, um, especially because he's declared that he's running for the White House again. And right now, even though it's a tougher path because of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis back to the Republican nomination, he's still the front runner. He's still leading in enough states to win the nomination right now, today, before they really start getting serious. Um, so we have to cover it and we have to try to hold him accountable, even though 
Uh, we're not as good at that as we used to be. Uh, but if we don't try, if we don't try, we never will. You know, if you don't, if you don't, sh if you don't shoot for the end, if you don't throw one in the end zone, you're going to kick field goals all day, you know? So we have, <laughs> wait a minute. Try. We're just, we're a minute into it. And we're already going to the sports reference. <laughs> going right there. I'm going right, right in my hot route all day. Today. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. And, you you uh, watched the Kansas state game. Did you? I did. Was, the big 12. It's kind of a joke conference sometimes, but boy, just a one-off, they can put on a show. And that yeah, was a good yeah. Okay. That was okay. Hold, hold, that hold, 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 hold that thought. <laughs> Back to Donnie. Back now, to let me, Donnie. Let me read the, the tweet that he sent out on his, uh, I guess. Good his luck. You may have to read it three or four times. So, comma, with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception and working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democratic Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? Well, that's a question mark. There's so much to unpack there. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders, quote unquote, did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Well, that's why Donald Trump isn't the president, because we wouldn't tolerate bullshit but nonetheless uh man unpacking that it it's just it's just like it's like listening to a crybaby upset that somebody you know that he peed in his own pants <laughs> well i guess that's my cue <laughs> that's your cue it's it's a lot like your your buddy growing up in the neighborhood who, while you were playing basketball in his driveway or whatever, it was always at his house, right? And so he would change where the out of bounds is or change the rule yeah. or, you know, off off my dad's old pickup truck isn't out of bounds today. I know it was yesterday, but it's not today because I hit the shot after. So that's what Trump has always reminded me of. And he just gets more and more like that. Uh, but we have to try to cover it. Uh, and and it's, it's up to folks, you know, like me and, and other folks who are going to be on the Hill this week to to keep asking Republicans, the Sunday show hosts, I think um, all but maybe one or two, and we can probably figure out where they work, have done a pretty good job this morning <laughs> asking right. Republicans and pressing them. Would you would you support a nominee if it's Trump who supports and has called for suspending the Constitution? And you can see how uncomfortable they are. And it's different now. And I was on the Hill last week talking to Republicans and Democrats. Um, the, the uncomfortableness is it's 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 more increasing. than it used to be it's increasing because he doesn't help them in congressional elections and um you know he's looking backwards at 2020 and clearly what voters want what we learned in the midterms they want to know how are you going to bring down the price of eggs and bread and gasoline and travel and everything not what do you think happened in an election that will be four years in the rearview mirror and that's what we and republicans want to look ahead um, but Trump's going to John, he's still time. looking at the 2012 and 2016 elections. Yeah, it's yeah, 10 it's a, and eight years later. Uh, they know they have a problem. Yeah. Michael, what, what's your take? Well, I think that we give too much coverage to him. And I'm sorry for that because I saw the consequences of that in the 2015 to 2016 run up to the election. I think that he takes all the oxygen out of what needs to be discussed. Why did the rail workers not get sick lead paid for and other important 
issues that we that we face. And I think that the comments should be, these are the the views of, of an individual that are inconsistent with our constitutional democracy and that they don't deserve much more attention. And if the Republicans want to, you know, go down the path with this guy, that's that's their choice. But I think we have so many things. I read an article in the paper this morning which said that we've probably passed the tipping point on climate control. And we saw the the Congress intervene. Hell, we said that labor. five years ago. But well, yeah. but we saw the Congress intervene in a labor dispute. We haven't seen that in a really long time. And, and right. Republicans killing paid sick leave for rail workers. And these are important issues among many others that I think we are not discussing because we're discussing whether or not Donald Trump's thought that we should overturn the Constitution because he lost uh, an election takes up too much oxygen. Uh, and I think, you know, let the, let the Republicans talk about it within their own party and figure out what to do with this guy. But we, in you guys in the national media, I think really have to pivot away from covering these stories as much as you have been. That's I'm going to, I'm going to couch it this way. You got to cover it because he is running. However, we can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. It doesn't mean that we have to, we yeah, walk, chew bubble gum. And I'm, I'm here to kick butt and chew bubble gum and I am all out of bubble gum. The, the, the thing is, is we can cover more than one thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's the problem. That's the problem, Michael. We have the personnel to do it. We still have the personnel to do it. It's a matter, to me, it's a matter of managing resources. But and the resources don't. that you need to cover Donald Trump are not the resources that you needed to cover Donald Trump when he was president or even in the run-up to 2016. So while I think that Donald Trump deserves coverage because he is running for president john's right there you have to you have to let people know what a guy running for president wants to do and if the guy running for president wants to suspend the constitution you got to let him know however and how however there's no reason why all those issues that you discussed michael shouldn't be at the forefront and lead the news and not donald trump and the, but, uh, the fault I find with us is that we constantly give Donald Trump the, the first seat in, in the first row when he deserves the back seat in the last row, for what it's worth. John? Okay. We do cover uh, a lot of stuff. I'm looking at yeah, Shameless Plug dude. first. First, I'll Shameless Plug. I'm looking at RollCall.com. Um, there's stories about all kinds of stuff, not just Trump. I'm looking at the Washington Post. This morning, I went through yesterday's A section and today's A section. There's, we do. There's there's two or three stories about Donald Trump. There's stories about all kinds of stuff in the Washington Post. I'm looking at their homepage. Their first story right now on WashingtonPost.com is from chicken wings to used cars. Inflations begin to ease. Then there's an OPEC sidebar. Then there's a Senate campaign. So you're, you're faulting us for covering what people want to read. I'm saying that I think we're doing it about right. Okay, that we do have to cover Trump. We have to give it some serious depth. You have to do that. But we're but, you know, I I could I could, you know, we are covering it. But I do think Trump drowns that stuff out. But it's you know, it's not like at CQ Roll Call. All of our beat reporters aren't writing about their beats. 
right. and doing it multiple times a day and doing it pretty well. I, my my fault is is when you lead with Donald Trump and you put it in. But see, a lot of this is social media, too. I mean, but a on lot a of Saturday it is, afternoon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, Brian. But on a no. Saturday afternoon where there's nothing going on. And after you've alerted five times a third rate um, soccer club, inevitably losing in the knockout round of the World Cup, you got nothing left to you, alert. Did you see and that then game? Trump, and then Donald Trump delivers you a gift. Yeah, well, that's what he's good at doing. He's uh -huh. it's it's the gift that keeps giving. It's the wrapped turd in a package. Had this been Tuesday at one o'clock, and McConnell and Schumer coming out of the lunches, and Elon Musk is doing something else, and and Russia's firing missiles into Kiev or something, you know, it probably wouldn't have gotten as much coverage yesterday. But it was a Saturday, and there was absolutely no news outside of sports. Oh, and and don't forget, it was a guy running for president. A guy who's declared that he's running for president, running for president under now part of his platform is to get rid of the Constitution. I think that's kind of, but I, Michael, I don't disagree. I do with understand you. what Michael's saying. I do. I can, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just don't know that it sometimes it's the timing of what Trump does. And sometimes it's that the fact that it get it, he does suck oxygen out of the room because people on social media give it to him. Well, I think that we give too much attention to him. And, you know, we meaning the press or we meaning uh, uh, the public, the 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 press, okay. I think, gives too much time to it. So, for example, take what you've just said. We have a slow news day. Um, and so all we can do is default to Trump's text i think maybe another way of thinking it is we have a slow news day so we're not doing all these breaking news stories why don't we put some time into some more important issues that we can give longer periods of of time to if we've got this break in our schedule from the press of everything happening day to day why don't we cover the you know the the environment or the economy i mean look the economy is on the rebound and and you don't see a lot of analysis about how did the press get it wrong if they well, did you'll never see that how, on anything <laughs> no how did they how did when when we had two months in a row of uh economic news that the hosts of the Sunday shows kept saying, well, two months in a row, that's a that's a recession, isn't it? Two, two months in a row, that's a recession. All they wanted was the guests to say, it's a recession. That's There, there was no- And they wouldn't do it. There was no analysis about inflation versus job growth and other things that make analysis of what is a recession more complicated. So now we have a break in the news. Why don't we talk about that? Why did we not have a recession? Why is it that prices are well, dropping? Why you're is talking it? about uh, to, to I'm sorry, but what you're talking about is one of my biggest gripes about the press overall investigative reporting and analysis. But that takes time that takes in downsizing newsrooms. It's incredibly difficult to and John, you can speak to that probably better than I can at this point. But managing uh, media properties in the past, scheduling time for reporters to do those types of investigative yeah. reports are tough. That's tough. <laughs> Because we just don't have we don't have the staff to do that that we once had. That's, That's right. a fact. Yeah. And I'm so, not 
I don't disagree in in spirit. I don't disagree with you, Michael, but I don't know how. I, I mean, maybe Donald Trump is a singular uh, exception to the important rule of you've got to cover the guy that's running for president because we kind of do know at this point what he's all about. But anytime uh, a candidate for president calls for the dissolution of the Constitution, I think that's that has to be covered. I don't think there's any way around yeah, it. And, and to your point, Brian, about smaller newsrooms, and you know, this is not an assessment of my current employer. We're in fact growing. We are hiring. Uh, that's a very good thing. Uh, we do try it's to do as thing. nonpartisan news as we can. So that's a good thing. But I can tell you that across Washington and across these newsrooms, again, not specific to to my 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 shop, uh, this is the case everywhere. You know, maybe you have a team of environment reporters that has an editor and, you know, say three or four reporters. And 13 years ago, that team had an editor, a deputy editor and six reporters. So now, you know, you have to do the daily stuff, hearings on the Hill, enterprise stories, court decisions. That's a lot of court decisions come off that beat, for instance, Um, a lot of industry news, excuse me, like energy industry news. So you have to do that during the week. Maybe off that team uh, in some newsrooms, you're going to get one or two stories that you can sprinkle out over the weekend as enterprise. But, but that's, that's part of it. Brian's right. These shrinking newsrooms, the teams, the policy teams just don't have the bandwidth. There's only so many hours in a day and everybody needs a couple of days off because otherwise the good people burn out and leave. So you unless got to get rail, unless you're a rail worker, then you don't apparently then you don't get, get any <laughs> We learned that this week. Zing. <clears throat> anyway, I mean, so that is a, that is a problem in the industry. Um, but, you know, but the industry responds to market forces. And we're also giving yes. people what they want to read. And this is what I tell folks who aren't in media, by the way, you're the market. So if you don't like yeah. it, stop clicking on it. Right. If you don't like it, turn the channel. If you don't like, if you don't like it. Don't click on it. If you don't like it, let them know you don't like it and what you do want to hear more and, about. And like it or not. If, if, if Michael, if there were more people like you, we'd see less of the right. bullshit from Donald Trump. But well, if there were more people like me, we'd be in a sorry state. I can tell you. That. <laughs> well, but if people the Yankees click- would be revered. <laughs> yes, that would be true. You now that's an interesting point. If people didn't click on the Trump stories, we wouldn't do them. Aha. So that's, everybody yeah. can look at their chart beat and report back yeah Um, but i can guarantee you that the trump stories are always going to be in everybody's top five certainly the top 10 and you know we because he does that look we're we're attention whores (laughs) or we fall for the attention whores and and when the intention whores come out there and go look at me look at me you look at them and go what an idiot and that's they've gained what they've wanted attention and Donald Trump will do anything to get your attention. Any, uh, any, uh, it, you know, when he said he could walk into, you know, Times Square and shoot somebody and get away with it, he's probably right. He certainly is shooting the Constitution and getting away with it. You have, and like John, you said it so far, no one in the GOP has come forward to go, hey, screw this guy, we're done with him. Uh, privately, it's, it's, yeah, but not publicly. Cassidy and nobody else. Yeah, just publicly, not there. But while we're on the subject of outlandish, behavior we have a republican congressional candidate and i can't even pronounce the name shukri abdurraham it's called i hope i got it right abdurrahman has called for violent armed revolution after the dumping of hunter biden's laptop story uh on twitter 
after Elon Musk said he was going to tell us all about Hunter's laptop uh, and basically retweeted a thread by by Matt Taibbi. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. Um, we can no longer, this. the response was, we can no longer get rid of tyranny by the ballots. It's only bullets by bullets now. Um, talk about your outlandish behavior. How how low can you go? Michael, to your point about paying too much attention, are we paying too much attention to a congressional candidate who's calling for revolution? Uh, from my standpoint, yes. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I just, you know, you have these outliers all across the Congress and they're fun to cover if you're the news media because they're so, it's so easy to care, to cover Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates or Tommy Tuberfield. They say stupid things, frankly, and it's so easy to cover that. And but it's so lazy. And well, I agree it's lazy, but let me ask you, is if with that being said, where do you draw the line? Do we continue to report about anti-Semitism by people who just want to shout and scream at the moon? Do we well do you, you can report about anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism is you know, according to all data at the moment, at, at all-time highs. And you don't need to do it, you don't need to tether it. To, to, to one person. You can cover that story because it's a story that's way broader than a tweet here and there than Kanye West. It's way bigger than that. And so if you want to cover the rise in anti-Semitism over the past decade, that's a good story to cover because it's an important story. The same thing with anti-Asian um, violence or or misogyny violence in the, in the African-American community. Look, there was a story in the Post this morning about in, in North Dakota, these racist uh, flyers against the Liberians who have moved there, this stuff is everywhere. So if you want to cover that, um, cover it. But it doesn't have to be tethered to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who lives for that coverage. I just think that there are important stories that can be covered without giving oxygen to these lunatics. And and those lunatics that are in that are um, organizing or involved in it that are represented now in government, John, we just don't cover them, or how, how, how do you how do you hit that? I excuse me again. I completely understand, and and I I think Michael makes a very good point. Um, to cover them today and not tomorrow on this issue, but not that issue. Um, those kinds of lines are really hard to draw and 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 keep consistent and can be very frustrating inside newsrooms. You know, today this MT, M, Marjorie MTG quote or MTG tweet or truth social post is news. But, you know, next Thursday when it's really slow and Congress is out of session and she said she said something at a fundraiser in Georgia. Well, it's really slow. So let's go ahead and write it up. That's 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 how it actually works. Yeah. So so those rules are really hard. You can't they're impossible to put down and then they're impossible to enforce. And then it's just it's just it gets really murky and frustrating in newsrooms. So, you know, we haven't come up with a playbook on how to cover these folks. And I don't I don't expect us to. Um, you know, I, I think we do try to. Uh, 
I, I think we do try to 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 put the right context in it and look at it in the right lens and and judge it that way. Um, but you know, a lot of newsrooms, it does matter that that stuff clicks. And yeah, but you gotta I, pay the bills. I will. Yeah, and you do have that. Two things have to change. I think in journalism, you got to take us away from capitalism as a as a way to to uh, survive or sustain ourselves. But <laughs> me, and I think John, you could, and and if we want to go where Michael's going, and I think where Michael's going is we need a better informed electorate on on major issues that matter. And I agree, but I don't think that happens in our business unless we hire better people and we don't pay people a whole lot of money compared to other industries. So the best and the brightest, while we may attract them, seldom do we keep them for any length of time. And it's not necessarily the breadth and scope of your uh, abilities that will get you a, a large paycheck in this industry. It's the ability for people to pay attention to you. So while we cover attention whores, we're covering attention whores by putting attention junkies in charge, or at least at the forefront. And unless you change that, there really isn't going to be a way to change what Michael sees as a fundamental problem. And and look, like you, John, I agree. I think it is a fundamental problem. I I But I do believe that at some point in time, the public also has to be responsible for their viewing habits. And their viewing habits dictate what we cover. And that's there's no way around that unless you change the fundamental dynamics of what journalism is about, either making it nonprofit or more importantly, busting up media monopolies. That's my thing. And, and, and diversifying ownership and, uh, and reporters. It's, it, it won't happen. So well, let me, can I ask one last question about this? So sure. local news, local news is what cover, what, what leads on local news, crime and fires. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. So the question I always asked was, if they didn't cover it and they covered something else, would people's viewing habits begin to change? That is, is it an excuse for you to say, well, they click on it and so we cover it? Is it not that if you didn't cover it and they didn't therefore have anything to click on, maybe you could change the dynamic? So to it seems... It's a fair question in my mind to ask whether or not that's just a cop well, out by saying, well, this is what they're clicking. You're giving them so many opportunities to click on this stuff. Um, I would submit it's a logical they, fallacy they, they, to say it's either or because we do provide coverage of other things. It's what they choose to click on. It And it's fair to ask what comes first, the cart or the horse, if those are the only two options. However, over the years, if it bleeds, it leads. We didn't begin covering fires and 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 murders because uh, people because we thought people would like to see the cool flame video that came afterwards. What happens is people are dispersed by fire. People are dispersed by hurricanes. People are 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 all of those things that we cover are things that affect people down to their core. And yeah, so but people are dispersed. We... Yeah, but Brian. And then we can move on. But people are dispersed <laughs> way more by poverty than by of course. Occasional and that's a harder fire. story to tell. Well, and, and that's and there's my point. Yeah, because oh, I it's agree a with you. Story to tell 
You're not telling it, so you're instead leaving. Well, how do you know about it? We are telling it. We're just not getting the clicks on it, nor do we donate enough time to it because it's a more complicated story to tell. That's my point. So on the slow slow news days, cover that, as opposed to -to wall-to-walling Trump's deranged comments about- Okay, final thoughts on that? Give us more money and bigger budgets, and we will. But it's hard- when you've got one per, it, it's a very difficult call to make for a for a city editor or an assignment editor or a producer on CNN. What do we donate two minutes of time to uh, the problems of poverty? Well, hell, who do we have that understands poverty? But we do have a, a reporter that can go out and cover this explosion, and all they got to do is stand there in front of the explosion. That that's a very simple decision to make. We need more people and better people and a more informed audience and the more informed audience. And that's not on us. We're a reflection of the audience. If you want better reporting, get better people. Yeah. So on that, and I just disagree with that because I think that's, you can disagree. I love it when you, but if you were going to, if you, um, you can disagree, but it's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Last thing. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the Washington post website again. They have highlighted eight um, op-ed pieces that that published this weekend. Zero are about Donald Trump. So there's plenty of content, news content, analysis, opinion content out there. Dot, well, dot, dot. So there's plenty of quantity, but I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll agree with Michael on some of that. The quality is well, not the best. But hey, there's that's plenty of me. stuff out there. there yeah, there is plenty I, of stuff. I guess maybe, John, to your point, which is people always say to me, because I appear on television intermittently, you know, did you see this? You said, and I always say, I don't watch television. I don't gather news by watching television. And I think so part of what we're talking about in certain measure is television coverage of- Yeah. Yes. I think that's what we're really more talking about than, because the, the, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Democracy Now! and The Intercept, that you can get- Roll all, the, all these things. Roll call. Roll call. Salon.com. Salon. LA Times. Washington Diplomat. <laughs> you can get this stuff that way. So I guess really the 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 introduction to our comment is, is TV media um, doing this wrong? And I think our conversation really focused on our views about how the television um, well, yeah, if that's your if if you're honing in on that, then I will be a resounding yes that that television covers a lot wrong. The panel shows are wrong. The how we cover breaking news is wrong. When we break in is wrong. The people we send to the stories are wrong. The idea of paying anchors as much as we pay them for sitting on their fat butts and pontificating is wrong. The people who run the networks is wrong. You shouldn't have advertising people running networks. You should have editorial people running networks. So by that, I would say everything about television news is wrong. <laughs> so so as we end this first segment, you both agree that I am absolutely right. And you no, and I, I, <laughs> I believe with your amended comments, which adapted themselves to my brilliant analysis yes <laughs> thank goodness do we call it a, do we call it a day or just go to commercial break we'll go to a commercial break we'll have some more fun we'll be right back 
Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question and it's all Donald Trump all the time. No, (laughs) (laughs) but in point of fact, the uh, the court orders and special oversight in the Trump case have have taken some information bandwidth away from this this week. And Michael, I'd like you to update us on that. What what people are saying this is a bad thing for Donald Trump, but what actually happened and what does it mean? Oh, the irony, by the way. Oh, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> I not that I did that on purpose. <laughs> Who are we talking about again? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get my news from, from TV. <laughs> so there are a couple of um, important stories, legal stories that 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 happened uh, this week. First, of course, and foremost, perhaps, is the 11th Circuit in a unanimous decision by two Trump-appointed judges and one George W. Bush appointed judge, said that the decision by the district court judge in Florida that appointed a special master was just flat out wrong, and they ordered her to dismiss the case. It was really quite a stunning rebuke um, of this district court judge. And as a consequence of it, the Justice Department will go forward with its investigation unimpeded by the judiciary or the special master. So it means that that case is uh, full full steam ahead. That's important constitutionally because what the judge did essentially was um, interfere with normal separation of powers relationships. And the 11th Circuit said in no uncertain terms, you know, like, really, judge? That's what you thought? Um, so that's that's that. Second, On the January 6th front, we've talked about this before, there's a a grand jury going on in the District Court in the District of Columbia, and the chief judge who oversees the grand juries in that um, district ruled uh, that Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, and Philbin, the deputy White House counsel, and others, Mark Short in the vice president's office, none of them has executive privilege to protect them from answering questions of what was your conversations with the president on the run-up to or aftermath of or day of January 6th. So those individuals have said we can't testify because the president has asserted privilege and the district court there has said there is no privilege. Go testify. And last week, uh, the deputy Philbin was in for four hours and Pat Cipollone was reported to have been in for six hours talking about whatever it is that the prosecutors wanted to know about um, 
January uh, 6th. about those January sixth e events, and so there there is uh, important stuff going on there. And then, of course, we had the conviction of the Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy. Um, two of them were convicted, and two of them weren't convicted. But the important conviction was of the Oath Keeper who did not go into the Capitol. So here's a conviction of a fellow for seditious conspiracy who stayed on the outside coordinating and sort of cheerleading those who entered. So that as a marker for possible- Donald Trump. Future, determinations about whether or not you could hold someone liable for conspiracy who didn't enter the Capitol building. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good portend of the possibility of um, more charges being brought, not necessarily seditious conspiracy, but conspiracy to interfere with the orderly transfer of power for which everybody was um, convicted. And so those who stood on the outside cheerleading the um, disorderly uh, stopping of the transfer of power may well find themselves in the aftermath of this ver verdict a little bit less um, comfortable when they go to speech. At the risk of over-discussing Donald Trump in this, John, <laughs> when we look at it, um, where, does this, where does this lead us in our coverage going forward? Uh, leads us where I think all these cases are going right to the Supreme Court. And I think Mr. Trump is going to be uh, going to keep our Supreme Court reporters busy. That's for sure. So uh, they, won't be, <laughs> they won't be available on the weekend to write uh, big sweeping stories for a little while, but they'll get back to that eventually. Um, Trump, you know, this is all going to the Supreme Court. I think I think Trump's going to be really disappointed. He thinks he's he he thinks it's his court. Uh, that's what he and McConnell and the Federalist society manufactured uh, and i think he's going to be disappointed I, I don't see them siding with these flimsy legal arguments um a lot of times they're kind of pr arguments or po even political arguments but uh, michael and others have said there's not a lot of legal weight there so um i think we're just gonna have to let a lot of this go through the process including the special master issue and and the supreme court's there for a reason and uh, so far it's you know, it, it's it's pushed back against Trump and 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 um, to quote the QAnon shaman, it's held the line. Yeah, it's I, I'll I'll go a, a, a little bit further. I, I think that it, at the end of the day, um, the, the response is going to be Hunter Biden's laptop. They're going to deflect. Yes, I, I think for the next two years, we're simply staring at while this goes on. And to Michael's point about attention, they're going to try and and drive the attention. This is one story that they'll try to drive attention away from Trump and drive it towards Hunter Biden's laptop, which uh, I guess is a a cumbersome way of pivoting into talking about the 2024 election and Joe Biden, who is our current president and is down on the, you know we we didn't he wasn't the lead story that we talked about today, but. He's done okay. something that's pretty, uh, uh, well, some say outlandish, moving to uh, have the first primary in South Carolina. Uh, there's some who say that's uh, to to widen the influence of the Democratic Party, but there are those who say that it's a selfish way of trying to make sure that he guarantees that he's the nominee in 2024, John. Can it be both? Yes. 
I think it's both. Uh, this is an example. I think this is this is a bigger deal. Speaking of things that we could have covered, Michael, on Thursday night and Friday, uh, with a little more vigor, intensity, and depth, and and thrown some more, uh, you know, very qualified, talented bodies at, um, and still should is this story. And I think this is a great example of what what you're talking about. Um, this is this reflects a shrewdness that Democrats usually don't play the game with. And I've criticized them for, for not doing so. Um, we all have. Yeah, we all have. I know you and Brian, you and I have certainly have. So this does reflect a shrewdness. What's, how do I help myself um, get the nomination? And, 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 and I think it's a big sign that Joe Biden is going to run for reelection. Uh, South, remember South Carolina was the state that really um, turned around his campaign. There was talk he may drop out of the 2020 primary and his buddy, Jim Clyburn, uh, gave him a boost. It's like a NASCAR race. Yeah. Clyburn got behind him and pushed him all the way to the front and, and Biden yeah. never relinquished the lead. He led for the rest of the race. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Biden is clearly signaling that he's going to run South Carolina has always been good to him. Um, there's talk of the Biden Obama coalition that that's really where it's strongest. And so, yeah, he's, it's a shrewd move. Um, I think we in the media, you know, we could have looked at it a little more critically. And uh, what does this mean? And and did did maybe is maybe the president uh, stepping over the line a, a bit here? Uh, the question I asked rhetorically into the ether Thursday night was, man, imagine if Donald Trump had done this and moved Alabama to the front of the, the re 2020 Republican primary line the media would have melted down. I think literally our Slack and emails would have, servers would have ceased to exist. So, you know, I know Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. I know that that would be the retort from anyone, but this is a bigger deal than I think than we've let on. But again, I'm I'm of two minds because I've criticized Democrats for not being as shrewd as Trump. And this so let, let me, uh, let me play the flip side of that. What if he doesn't run again? What does this signal for the Democratic Party if Biden doesn't run again? Because I think there's still indicators that he may not. But the, nonetheless, either or, let's take the or. Yes. If if he runs, it's obvious what what there's a personal and you know reason behind it. If he doesn't, what does it portend? Well, I, I think then we it puts more weight behind the president's uh, letter. Uh, I believe to the DNC to make this change to let South Carolina go first, and and a lot of the, most of that letter was that the South Carolina electorate and and others, uh, especially down south, that's what the Democratic Party looks like. It's it's not as white as say Iowa, which usually goes first, or New Hampshire, which is usually right there uh, next in line uh, as far as voting in the primary. So you know it's 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 more has more minority groups, more different racial makeup. And and that's certainly true down south. So if if Biden doesn't run, then then, you know, cynics like me will be proven mostly wrong. Well, but to to the point, Michael, that you were making a little bit earlier, I, I mean, it also is an appearance thing, is it not? I mean, the appearance of, that that the electorate is far different and that we need to and that the Democrats mm -hmm. need to appeal to the electorate of uh, of of the people like the South in South Carolina? Well, I think that, you know, sort of there's 
truth on both sides. As John has said, if you want to be cynical about it, what Biden has done in the reordering of the primaries is to put the state that resurrected his 2020 campaign first. So he doesn't have to come in uh, fourth in Iowa and fifth in New Hampshire and and have people, you know, sort of say he was um, out of the, the running. South Carolina jump-started and carried him all the way through. And so yeah. you, when you look at it that way and it's a, you know, reward for that, then, you know, you can be properly cynical um, about it. But as John said as well, if you take Trump, if you take um, Biden out of the equation and you look at the the list of South Carolina, followed by New Hampshire. So you still, so you've got a, a, a larger African American <clears throat> presence in the first one, followed by New Hampshire, which is an old white um, crowd. Then Nevada, which is largely um, Hispanic, followed by Georgia, you know, a, a pretty diverse populace, and then Michigan, you know, which is an you know the one of the industrial um heartland states in america that's a pretty good order um because it's like yes i was no longer first but you haven't knocked out that type of voter because new hampshire is second and so the order i think is much more reflective of of sort of the population of our country uh and therefore, I think that makes a lot of sense. So well, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I don't discount that there is some, you know, payback, uh, you know, thank you payback to South Carolina for for helping uh, the the president. But aside from that, the order I think looks pretty good. Well, I I, I think we're kind of uh, two two points. I think a. First of all, as a reporter, I'd much rather be in South Carolina than Iowa during that time of year. <laughs> I've I've been in both places, and Iowa is cold, baby. I'd much rather be in South Carolina. But B, I think we're missing a bigger point, and that's that I think this is also, in some ways, a broad shot. Uh, you know, it's a shot across the bow to the GOP saying, you know, we're not going to give you the South because that was – the South has been a stronghold of the GOP since Richard Nixon's Southern strategy. And, or, and so that, and Reagan co-opted that. And it was in fact, Newt Gingrich who said, wasn't it Gingrich this past week who said that, uh, <laughs> that basically that Biden is winning. He's out to your point, John, he's, he's out strategizing the GOP. So I, I have to think that part of the reason of this is also to uh, upset the GOP apple cart in the South and at least try to bring some of the more moderate voters over or back to the Democrats. Thoughts on that? Yeah, well, they, excuse me. Whoa, uh, it's that time of year, cold and yeah. flu season. Um, <laughs> remember, they flipped Georgia. Biden won Georgia. Yeah. And uh, Democrats may hold the Senate seat down there uh, in a runoff next um god when is that next week this week uh the runoff is, is almost here so um you know you keep georgia it's right next door remember yeah. that it's right next door and we see lindsey graham and tim scott uh the two republican senators from south carolina in georgia all the time trying to help out herschel walker in that runoff against Raphael warnock the incumbent democratic senator so 
Um, you might be on to something, at least pick off part of those states. North Carolina, my old stomping grounds, yeah. is right above South Carolina. The TV markets all blend together, and that's what this is largely all about. So um, if if there's more attention on South Carolina early, then Democrats are, are getting their message out in those two states. And, you know, North Carolina, I think, is still gettable in some world out there for Democrats. And Georgia looks like it's up up for grabs. So um, that could be part of the president's strategy uh, as well. Well, my, my question, though, I guess yeah. stemming from that is, do you think we're paying or that the parties are paying too much attention to the national races and not enough to local? We would never do that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> of course we are. But that goes back to everything that we've talked about earlier with shrinking newsrooms and smaller, smaller teams and, and, and all this ground to cover. And uh, the the leader of one party calling for the the suspension of the constitution and the, you know the problem with one thing that that hit me later from our earlier conversation that's related to this is okay if trump calls for suspending the constitution for well, i guess that truth social post meant to the 2020 election i think that's what it meant then Who what knows? next and then what after that and then and then something happens next wednesday and is he going to call for it then um so that's just uh, to, to bring that point back uh, that, that we have to cover this stuff. Michael, you, uh, I, I, I'll let you have the last word on this. <laughs> I, I don't know what the last word uh, should be. Uh, you know, I, I ran um, real for I ran for reelection in my um, ANC, my advisory neighborhood uh, commission uh, seat, and I I won. Um, with 92.43% and yet no news coverage of that that election victory. So clearly they've got their priorities um, backwards to not cover my reelection and uh, <laughs> focus instead on the, the, the primaries in Georgia, you know, That's right. go figure. But, you know, I don't know, Brian, <laughs> if there were more to your, again, I always go back to your book, if there were more local news outlets covering yeah. this stuff we wouldn't need the new york times to cover school board races and in and, and and the like because local press would have it but you don't have local press and you don't even have local tv because the local tv stations and local media are owned by um corporations that own you know multiple multiples of these of these stations and so they're effectively national um news outlets masquerading as as local sinclair broadcasting owns how many stations and they drive a particular political message through their local news coverage that's a big problem the 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 end of some of the rules in the FCC, the fairness doctrine and the cross ownership rules, um, all have led to, I think, a deterioration of, of robust news coverage. I agree. Final thought on this uh, particular issue, John, Michael, you think uh, I, I'll ask you both. I'll start with you, John. You think you think that uh, the pre that President Biden is running for reelection? What is today on December fourth? Uh, as we tape at twelve five p.m., I do think President oh, I do think President Biden is seeking re-election today. But remember, in his recent uh, press conference, 
He said he wants to take a week away from the White House. Uh, every president takes a week off at Christmas over the holidays yep. to spend with the family. He wants to talk to the family. He wants to hear from them. So as of right now, I think he's running. But that conversation, who knows? We've all had family conversation. Who knows how that might go? Michael? Yeah, I think it's exactly as John said. It's right now, yeah, but now is a long way away from then. Right. And, you know, let, let's have this conversation a year from now when they're a year out and they have to really start running for election, which is, you know, back to a, our point about covering Trump. Yeah, he's running for re-election, but there's right nothing, now. there's nothing, but there's nothing really going on. There's no real... Real, I mean, they're raising money for sure. DeSantis, DeSantis and others are raising money and the moderates, Hogan and Christie are sort of putting out feelers, but we're not really in the presidential election coverage period, which is why when people say, well, we have to cover it because he's running for president. I say to myself, not yet. You don't have to, you don't have to cover it just, just now. It's yeah. a little bit early for that. So therefore I revert to my it's just lazy uh news news coverage i'm, well, I'm just, going to go ahead john no, I, I, go ahead Brett. I, I was just gonna fall down this way um i was standing in the room when he looked at his wife and said he needed to talk and she had that look on her face like honey we have to talk and and as a married man i know what that <laughs> usually that means it's something i gotta do so i i know there's gonna be a come to jesus meeting between the president and his wife. And I don't know what the outcome of that will be, but I, I, I think with the moves that he is making, one of the things that makes me think that he may not run for reelection is that his complete, I don't want to say ignorance, but completely ignoring the concerns of the press. If you're running for president, you tend to put yourself out there a little bit more. He has been dedicated to avoiding the press as much as possible which is one indication to me that he may not, like, he may just be indifferent to us, but I also think it's very convenient if you can concentrate, if you've got just one, if you just got one four-year term that you're concentrating on, you can care less about what the public uh, press pressures you into, into thinking about. But that's, I, I maybe I'm reading too much into it. I think it's going to end up, as John said, that conversation between him and his wife over Christmas, and then we'll find out. He said announcing sometime at the beginning of the new year. Um, I think that is a, a, a very interesting scenario as well, because I don't think if he announces that he'll have much serious competition uh, or any from the Democratic Party, and with Donald Trump already announcing, trying to clear out the underbrush, we may have two years of Hunter Biden's laptop, Donald Trump's sedition, just all the crap we're tired of hearing about. We may be inundated with that for the next two years uh, until either one of them. And I only say this because of the actuary tables. One of them may not be around. <laughs> that's, that's, they're, they're both not young men. So with, with that thought, we'll take another break and we'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. 
In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question where we have now decided that Fred Upton will be the next uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives during the break. And as Michael points out, if since he didn't run for re-election, it could be historic and he'd be the one that uh, would be the Speaker of the House yeah. who isn't actually a member of the House. And of course, John has already decided that uh, it's going to be Donald Trump who's going to be the next Speaker of the House. Well, the, the Republicans can sometimes resemble pro wrestling. So you could sometimes, you, you, could, you could, most of the time, you could encounter, you could envision a scenario where the, the, the main doors where the president comes in for the State of the Union of the House chamber fly open and John Boehner's music hits on January 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> or Hillary's. <laughs> Well, let's not. Now that's crazy talk. Yeah, that's just crazy talk. <laughs> Speaking of crazy talk, I, I you know, we, we like to talk a little bit about sports and, and sometimes music. I'm going to bring them both in right now. And it was um, and, and for a, a bit of a poignant moment for me. It was uh, I, I years ago. I remember watching it was Siskel and Ebert and they came to my college and they were uh, speaking about um, <clears throat> a movie um that uh, had occurred in in 1960 that they said was when they it it represent it was about the john f kennedy assassination but it was prior to the assassination doesn't matter the, the title of the movie we all know it but they said that they, they were talking about kennedy's assassination and said that uh that was the moment for them when they realized that childhood had ended and adulthood had begun and for me that particular moment was December 8th, 1980. And I was at, uh, I was working at a radio station in college uh, when it was announced that John Lennon had been uh, murdered outside of the, uh, outside of the Dakota in, um, in Manhattan. And of course we played Lennon music the rest of the night. We, we took appropriate uh, inebriants. And then I remember passing out my car while it's the snow was falling, but um that to me was that moment. And it was uh, for many historical because it was on Monday night football where uh, Dandy Don and Howard Cosell announced that it had happened and they were in tears. So uh, 42 years ago today, and I'll also say, I'll just say my fate or not today, but this week, I will also mention that my fate, one of my favorite songs that he wrote was uh, on his last album, which debuted actually that album debuted the week before he died. So, uh, you know, a couple of days before we're, when we're taping and there was a song, beautiful boy that would bring Paul McCartney to tears, uh, because it was about his young son, Sean, and it held the line, uh, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, which is almost what I would think of John, you can relate to this daily in the White House during Donald Trump. <laughs> I thought about it in a comedic way, but man, it was, you know, I'd be making one plan one day and then Trump would come out and screw it up and we'd, we'd spend the next, you know, eight hours scrambling for shit that we didn't know we were going to have to scramble with. So 
it, that was my uh, my take on John and, and Michael. I, I think I asked you all for your favorite John song. Well, let me just say I remember that night very well. I was with a friend. We had gone to a pizza place in Adams Morgan section of D.C. called Million Al's. And I had just gotten out of the restaurant and gotten into the car and turned on um, the, the radio. And there was Howard Cosell telling us that John Lennon had been murdered um, in New York City. And I, you know, was for me, because I'm a little bit, not young, but I'm a little bit too young to be um, remembering uh, the day the music died. Right. The big, the big bopper and Buddy Holly. Um, dying in that in that plane crash, which was the you know basis for the American Pie song, um, right by Don McLean, by Don by Don McLean, and of course it it happened in Iowa, and the Republicans had nothing to do with it. Um, so I remember I remember that night um, uh, well, and and you know that beautiful boy song uh, is just a, you know a heartbreaker. Um, before you go to sleep, say a little prayer every day. In every way, it's getting better and better. Good night, Sean. See you in the morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, my God. You I know? can hardly wait to see you come of age, but I guess we'll both right. just have to be patient. And, of course, he never got to see his son come of age. Yeah. Close your eyes. Have no fear. The monster's gone. He's on the run and your daddy's here. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it gives you a goose flesh if you're, if you're a, an alive human being. Um and I guess uh, in answer to your question of what is my favorite song, well, part of me wants to say help because it's such a, um, a cathartic uh, call for, for, for help. If you hear him talk about the writing of help and where he was uh, emotionally right. at the time. But I think in my life probably oh. is, my, is my favorite uh, song of, of John Lennon's. That's a great song. John, you've got his name. What do you think? Did uh, was was Lennon the chief author of Let It Be or No, that was that was Paul. It was Paul. Okay. Well, um but he was the... but he was singing John um a song to um Julian Jules, Julian Lennon. Lennon. Right. Um Hey so Jude, you, you're sort of part right. Hey, 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 Jude. Um, and let it be both. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of in, in, in that genre. Let it be. I'm sorry. Let it be was uh, his mother. Mother yeah. Mary coming to him in a dream. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you. Um, I'll just say I'm not the as big of a, a music buff as, as you guys. Um, but John but... was a wide receiver. <laughs> no, they were all soccer players. <laughs> I'll or just, as they like to say in England, they were football players. Yeah, I'll just, I mean, obviously John Lennon's contribution to art and music, you know, is, I can't even just put words to it and, and describe it. And I play with words and use words every day. It's what I do to pay my bills and put food on the table. But I'll stick just stick with the Beatles and uh, let it be up there if you've ever uh, gone through anything, you know, yeah. in your life. And we all have, um, especially the opening of that song is is pretty powerful. Uh, the lyrics and uh, definitely hits me when I hear it in a different place. Uh, but I'll I'll stay on brand here. The Trump White House covering it every day. I did really feel sometimes, especially 
like you said, Brian, we'd all have a plan to do this story and that story. And then the tweets would start flying and press to the press to the um, palm room doors and Trump's suddenly standing in the Rose Garden with Mitch McConnell and and does a 45 minute press conference about just about everything. And you go back inside and then there are two pool sprays because he's mad that we covered <laughs> what he said. With I remember McConnell. that day. It was a Wednesday. Right. <laughs> and then the next day, you know, the tweet started at 654 and we're off on something else. And, you know, Friday we catch our breath. Um, but it's still it, and then it's, it's suddenly crazy and he's leaving at four o'clock and the last three hours is is insane and the briefings off off the charts and there's another pool spray and then he stops at the chopper and he answers questions and he contradicts himself from all week and that morning and what is and from the sentence that he said, spoke 30 seconds earlier right, <laughs> right right and what he tweeted before he came out anyway <laughs> it felt a lot of times like we were living in a yellow submarine <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I would guess, I would which guess he wrote for Ringo. <laughs> that's, that's, I'll, I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> Imagine is what usually everybody picks is as their favorite Lennon song. Um, and But Beautiful Boy did for Woman I Love too because my wife and I started dating uh, shortly before that album came out and that became our song, Woman. But uh, Cold Turkey, as far as a, a rocker goes, with that uh, guitar riff, to me, I love singing it and I love playing it. And that's one of my favorite John Lennon rockers. But I'll, I'll, there were two quotes from John that uh, also resounded with me uh, and, and still stay with me to this day. One was uh, when he was five years old, his mother told him that um, the secret to life was happiness. And uh, so when he went to school, they asked him, what, what, what is the meaning of life? And he said, happiness. And they said, you don't understand the question. And he goes, you don't understand life. So I kind of like that. <laughs> and then he once said that the best way to deal with authoritarians is with humor. He said, if you go, if you try violence, that's where they get you. They know how to control you, but flick their, uh, you know, uh, flick their beards a little bit with humor uh, and they can't react to that. They don't know how to react to people who have a sense of humor. So I always kind of like both of those. And so 42 years ago today, we lost a guy that I, I thought was one of the few people I, that I would have liked to have met that I didn't get a chance to meet. Um, and, uh, and of course, I, I love their music. And of course, the Bob Dylan influence on the Beatles is undeniable. And Michael, it, I, I, this is for Michael, you got to know uh, which song on Help did John say was specifically tied to John Lennon? I mean, to uh, Bob Dylan. Oh, I have to think for a second. Uh, <laughs> I may have you on this one. Well, I know Rocky Raccoon was an effort. Um, that was to, on the White Album. Yeah, that was a that was an effort um, to. Um, mimic um bob dylan help the night before you gotta hide your love away you need to you're looking at the he's, he's looking at the album list he's cheating john <laughs> yeah, well i don't remember all of the songs um i cheated too <laughs> here i stand head in hand turn my face to the wall yeah. If she's gone, I can't go on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You got to hide your love. That's away. it. That's the one. Yeah. Written yeah. for written for Bob. In fact, he said he he when he wrote it, he thought it was a 
It was his Bob Dylan tune that came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Not all along the Watchtower, but, you know, pretty close. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, guys, it's been another fun week discussing the events. Well, any, final words, John. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> got, my, I used I used every pitch, Skip. I'm I'm done. Go ahead and pull me. <laughs> Michael, your shot. So now that John Bennett has made me a college football watcher, my my wonderment is does TCU stay in the top four teams, having lost um the the championship to Kansas yes, it just it just announced they are the three seed they, they are, are the three seed yeah. who's the four as as we uh sit here they have not but they may be announcing number four right now georgia one michigan two tcu three and we are awaiting number four it ain't but gonna be this, alabama is this the, is this the official yes. one that gets yeah. you into the into the polls ain't gonna be alabama folks so no, I don't think so. I think so, it'll be so it'll uh, be Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yep, I think but it's that's interesting right. that they kept TCU at three and didn't move them to four and put Ohio State um, at three. That, yeah, that was a really bad loss. Ohio State had to Michigan at home to their right. blood rival, and the second half really looked bad. TCU, on the other hand, went to a conference title game and and went to I think double overtime or at least overtime. So overtime. So I yeah. guess maybe one of the reasons is that if if Ohio State comes in at four, then you get um, they are four Georgia. You have Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan. I don't think they wanted to have a redo of that's right Ohio State, Michigan. They tried not exactly. to do that, right? Yeah, that and that's what they've got. They just announced number four. It is Ohio State. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so it's which two conferences again? I, I I'm sorry, which two conferences? Uh, we have uh, the SEC. We yes. have two from the Big Ten and one from the Big Twelve. There you go. Big t- well in the Big Twelve. That, <laughs> that we were talking before though. The the Big Twelve championship game. TCU lost to to yeah. a very spunky and fun Kansas State team. Um, you know the Big Twelve is a it's a conference that it's kind of falling apart. They're going to bring in some lesser teams next year to to stay afloat. Uh, they were you know, thrown together out of, out of several other conferences over the years. Um, they've struggled to make the playoff consistently. Um, you know, they don't play a lot of defense out there in big 12 country, but every now and then you get a game like yesterday, the big 12 can really put on a show. What I don't understand is why my alma mater left the big eight, big 10, big 12 for, for the sec. Yeah. I know it's for money, but it, at the end of the day, I think they, they, they screwed the pooch. I think the Mizzou should have stayed in the big 12 and yep. uh, would have a much better chance of being seen and, and attracting the right kind of athletes to the, to the program. But yeah. you know, you look at Faroe field. I, every time I go to Columbia, I look at Faroe field and I look at the facilities and there's a boatload of money sunk into that program and uh, they still get beat consistently. Yeah. I wonder if you put if you put uh, Nebraska under truth serum, if they would say the same thing. They should have stayed in the Big Twelve. Too. Yep, Nebraska and Mizzou both should have stayed. With yep. Nebraska, Mizzou, Oklahoma, all of them in the big in the Big Eight when I played there, that was a hell of a conference. Sure. That was you know that was uh, and and I mean, in Iowa, my God, I remember the first time we you know we played some of those teams and 
I had never seen linemen that could run a four, four 40 before, <laughs> you know, you see 280 pound linemen running the four, four 40. Yeah. I was 185 pounds scrapping, you know, middle linebacker. I, 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 that was, those were tough guys to bring down, but anyway, that's our final thoughts. Have a merry, happy and a happy Mary and a miggle moose and all that good stuff. And we'll catch up with you next week. The name of the show is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks once again to John Bennett, and Michael Zeldin, and we'll catch you next time.